This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. In case you forgot how to dress for the cold weather, we'll talk with people from the National Weather Service. Researchers are using a new mathematical model to identify the patterns of traveling plant seeds. Plus, we'll hear from the crazy goat lady. Uh, She's unique to Missouri. We'll find out what she's doing to help people around the world. On December 31st, the sun set off its largest solar flare since 2019. What does it mean, and how is that connected to the U.S. being able to see the northern lights in Missouri? Ashley Bird asks expert Sean Dahl for answers. From January through October, roughly, is the new predicted peak for solar maximum. So we can start to see that increased intensity and flare activity. And that flare, we measure those in X-rays. So there's a satellite in space that goes satellite, a NOAA-operated spacecraft. And that's the same one that you see on TV all the time with the weathercasters showing clouds and satellite imagery. Those are coming from the GOES satellites. But there's also space weather observation packages on there that do several things. And one of the things they do is measure X-ray flares. So that flare reached an X level on the scale. I know that seems weird, right? X-rays and X scale. But think of the X as extreme, kind of the high end of the scale. A strong enough flare can cause some problems. That's correct. The solar flare itself, the more intense it gets, the stronger it moves up our scale of measuring these things. The sunlit side of Earth, the ionosphere, that protective layer of the atmosphere that, well, there's many layers in that atmosphere that keep us safe from things like X-rays. So nobody on Earth, even if you're climbing Mount Everest, can ever be hurt when one of these is going on. Even astronauts in space aren't impacted by these X-ray flares specifically, you know, just pointing at them. But what they do is they change the nature of the atmosphere on the sunlit side of Earth. And radio signals that normally can bounce off the atmosphere and travel long distances in a bandwidth that we call high-frequency HF radio, ham radio operators utilize these frequencies. They can't do it anymore when we get to certain levels because it prevents it. It just kind of like the signal wants to get up there, but then it just gets trapped. It gets blocked. It gets absorbed, and it can't reflect off. And this happened in this case at that level of flare. It usually does somewhere. In the aviation industry, aircraft flying across the oceans on long-distance flights, they have to use HF radio as one of their backup means, and when they can't utilize it, that can become problematic. And in some cases, it's even their primary means. Sean Dahl with the Space Weather Prediction Center. Is, are these flares, uh, do they fluctuate? Do we see this go come and go? Um, are we seeing an increase in these flares? We are seeing an increase in these flares, as we would expect to, as we move up towards solar maximum. As I mentioned, that will be somewhere in the neighborhood of January to October of next year, 2024, is the mo- most recent modified forecast for that. So as I said, we're starting to see increases in this activity. It doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a constant increase you have. It's like a roller coaster ride. It's just the way the sun goes. Sometimes you'll have a big increase in activity, and then things look like they're winding down, and then we have an increase again. That's just the nature of how the sun works. I mentioned we'll see increases in this activity, and we most certainly will. Um, For example, just uh, to end out the new year. On 31 December, we had an even larger flare. This one reached an X5 on our measurements. It was still an R3 level flare, but if it got to X10, then it'd be an R4. Now we're talking about severe levels. So we're working our way up there. The chances are going to increase that we may have these severe to extreme level flares. 
as the cycle progresses or even as we begin to slowly come down from the cycle. So that flare on the 31st of December outmatched that one. But the ironic thing is that seems to probably have been from the same solar region that gave us the X2 flare back on 14 December. As I mentioned, the sun rotates. And these longer, stronger sunspot groups can actually last longer than 27 days in some cases. It's kind of rare, but sometimes they do. At the moment, anyway, it seems as though this may be the old returning region that produced the X2 flare. And now as it started to rotate into view on the 31st, right there on the limb of the sun, it gave us an X5 level flare. And did we even notice with all the <laughs> hullabaloo around the nation? Uh, Sean, did anyone even, did any of the, I guess the folks on the ground who are not watching like you, did we even notice that happened? No, nobody would notice anything because, uh, like I said, we're totally protected from our two-layer protection system. We have our atmospheric filter and we have our magnetic barrier, what we call the magnetosphere. And those two things keep us here on the surface of our planet quite safe from these events. Any hobbyist, uh, like my telescopes behind me that has special solar filter equipment, they could have actually seen that flare as it occurred. So that's kind of the neat thing of these are people who like to observe and see sunspots as they rotate into view or appear on the sun. There are a lot of sky watchers in Missouri, so we want to emphasize that we're talking to Sean Dahl, who's with the Space Weather Prediction Center of NOAA. So glad to have you with us today, someone who's actually watching this stuff all the time. For our sun watchers, uh, our space watchers, I guess that's the important thing is you better have a, a filter on there, a proper filter to see what's happening with with this, the solar flares. Um, so this this stuff is, is fascinating. Do we have anything to be concerned about with this, Sean? Not to a physical being, no. However, our technology, you know, has become pretty advanced. And we continue to learn more and more about how the sun and space weather can impact our technology and way of life. We already know for a fact we talked about flares and how they affect the ability to communicate on certain radio wavelengths. There are other storms from the sun. There's actually a small-level warning out right now for one called a solar radiation storm. Uh, That is when energetic particles from the sun arrive here at Earth in far greater numbers than are normally there. We're still totally safe from those in particular because of our protective magnetic barrier in this case. But astronauts of space now can become slightly at risk the higher these energy levels and the more of these numbers of of particles from the sun. And they too can impact some of our technologies like our satellites in space. If they become bombarded with tremendous numbers of these energetic particles, they become at risk to have kind of anomalies and things happen to them that could cause what we call sudden events uh, effects. Basically just a fancy way of saying something can go wrong with the satellite, it may not work properly, or in the worst case, may not work anymore at all. It's not that they get blown out of space and tumbly like you might see in a science fiction movie, that doesn't happen. But these particles, they continue to penetrate into the spacecraft, and that can cause some problems as well. We're going back to the moon uh, with the Artemis missions. We are great. Um, we can work with NASA every day for the benefit of the satellite, uh, astronauts on the space station. But as we go back to the moon with the Artemis missions, we are really going to be called into action for the protection of those astronauts, those four men and women on that space capsule, because they will be outside of our atmosphere and outside of our protective magnetic barrier. And they will be at risk for these high-level solar radiation storms. doesn't mean they're deadly, 
but they can become quite sick in the worst case scenarios. The ability to see the northern lights in Missouri, that is that is a possibility, right? And is there a certain time that we can do that? And are, should we be concerned about the, the particular, like I said, are we, are we, let me ask you this, are we moving in a direction that's irreparable as far as the sun, or is this just cyclical? This is cyclical. So this is something we've gone through many times in the past. It's no different. It's just that sometimes some solar cycles are much stronger than others, or they have one of the big events. So just for everybody's understanding, there's a word that's often used to the most extreme of these types of storms. When I talk these types of storms, I'm talking about the magnetic storm, the geomagnetic storm, the thing that spins up the northern lights. In the year 1859, an astronomer was observing the sun. However, he did it safely at the time, and he was drawing this giant sunspot group on the sun. Well, he noticed white light show up around the sunspot group that was much brighter than the surrounding bright white of the sun. This is an extremely rare event. It's called a white light flare. So it was so strong and intense, it actually fell into the visible part of the spectrum as well of light. And he put it on his drawing. About 18 hours later, some crazy things happened in the sky. The northern lights were seen far down in the southern Europe where they usually are never seen. They were seen down into the Caribbean Ocean, south of the mainland United States, so islanders had no idea what was going on. Pacific islanders out there were seeing the northern lights or the southern lights that were extending up into their areas. It was really quite concerning because nobody knew what was going on. Well, with today's science, we understand exactly what was happening. And we do know that today, if we have that type of geomagnetic storm intensity happen, that it's quite likely there could be an impact, at least somewhere in the world, to uh, folks with their electric power uh, being at risk of some type of failure. Uh, that's why our engineers in radio are always so good to warn stations that there's a, a solar flare or that there might be the possibility of frequent solar flares because it does affect our technology here. If someone wants to see the northern lights in Missouri, can you even predict when that's going to happen? Yeah, you can follow our webpage at swipsy.noaa.gov, and that is a great way to see for yourself because we put it's you know publicly available. Taxpayers, we're all paying for this function. That's how important the government deems it. And you can go there and look to see what we're predicting, what our forecast is. I would say that when we're predicting G3 level storms in the middle of our scale, it's time to start looking if you're interested in seeing the Northern Lights. And we even have a model on our webpage. It's called the 30 minute. Uh, ovation model, and it's a way of showing what the, how far the northern lights or the auroral oval, as we call it, can extend uh, towards the equator or further south here in the northern hemisphere. And that's a great way also to look to see, hey, maybe I'll be able to see them. Maybe I should plan. It's a clear night and see if I can take a look. So Sky Watchers in Missouri, Space Weather Prediction Center, SWPC, part of NOAA. Sean Dahl with the Space Weather Prediction Center. Thank you for being on our show. Show me today the voice of Missouri. Hey, you're very welcome, Ashley. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.